Hello and welcome to the Grace Avenue Church Podcast. As you listen to this message, I pray that you're built up, encouraged through God's Word, and I pray that His Holy Spirit leads you and guides you in the way that you should go. I pray that He gives you answers for your questions, healing and help for your life. Most importantly, I pray that this Word helps you to become more like Jesus and a greater influence for Him in our church and in your world. Now, let's grow together. Enjoy the message. Okay, well, we are jumping back into the Word this morning. Last week, we talked about the wonder of a star. This morning, I'm talking about the wonder of a name, a wonder of His name. Come on, say, His name name. is Jesus. Jesus. So we're talking about His name. And as Christians, we say a lot of things about His name. We invoke His name for a lot of things. We say, there's power in the name of Right? When we pray, we pray in the name of Jesus. And when we need strength and when we need direction and when we need guidance and we need comfort from God, we call upon the name of Jesus. Right? And so earlier we were singing this amazing song, which we're going to sing again after this message. But we were singing, your name is the highest. Your name is the greatest. You stand above them all. Why? Because there are other things that try to place themselves above the name of Jesus. Eternally, here in the now, in the natural, in our personal lives, emotionally, physically, spiritually, there are always things trying to make their home in our hearts and things trying to make their home in our mind as being great when truly the name of Jesus is greater than any other name that we know. Luke chapter 10 verse 17 says this, that the 72 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. We came to talk about demons at Christmas today. (laughs) Even the demons are subject to the name of Jesus. You know, a lot of people, when they are thinking about the evil in the world, they think of evil as only in the natural. They don't think about it in the spiritual So they're not thinking of a spiritual realm. They're not thinking of the supernatural. And so they don't invoke the name of Jesus. They just invoke natural power. But as Christians, we invoke the name of Jesus, which his own disciples said that they respond and flee in his name because of his name. In the book of Acts, we see that people were healed in Jesus' name. They were healed in Jesus' name. Remember this? Silver and gold have I none, but what I give to you, I give to you in the name, say it again, name, name of Jesus Christ. We're talking about the wonder of his name. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. So we're talking about his name. He's he's referred to in the Bible by many names, the bread of life, the anointed one, the alpha and the omega, the resurrection and the life, the man of sorrows, the lamb of God, the redeemer, the good shepherd, the light of the world. There are many names about our God and who he is. So what am I saying this morning? That our faith rests in his name, and in all of his names. And attached to each one of his names is an understanding of his power, his identity, and his history. 
Let me say that again. Attached to each one of his names. If we were to study each one, which there's a lot, so that's going to take you a while. Attached to each one of his names is an understanding of his power. It's an understanding of his identity, who he actually is, the power that he has and who he actually is, and then his history, right? When you go to the airport, they want to see your ID, right? Because they want to know your identity and they want to know your history. God knows what they're tracking when they're having you scan your eyes or your thumbprint or whatever. We know they're tracking something, but they're trying to track your true identity. So when we look in the Bible and we're looking to understand God, because we can't understand God without his word. Let me say that again. He is the word, right? The living word. So when we study him, we understand in his name and in his names, we understand his power. We understand his identity and then we understand his history, who he is, how he's performed miracles, how long he's been around, what his character is like, what his power is like. And so Christmas time is the time where we focus on and reflect on the name and the birth of Jesus. And in Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18, it says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she, she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man who did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. And as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name, everybody say name, name him Jesus, for he will save people from their sins. I want us to reflect on that for a moment, that the primary reason The primary name of Jesus, why he came, is to save people, you and I, from our sins. It's so important for us to understand in a world that wants to continually, every single day, in every single way, deny sin exists and say that anything about our lives and everything about our lives is simply our own truth our own choices, a product of psychology, our upbringing, product of our social environment. We are this way because of this or that or whoever. Jesus came to deliver us and save us from our sins. We are saved. We are redeemed. We've been bought with a price, the Bible says. And all of that is because of Jesus and the name of Jesus because he saves us from our sins. Now, I want to take us back to verse 20. Because in verse 20, I found this really fascinating. It says, as he considered this, it's talking about Joseph. As Joseph considered this, considered what? Okay, he's engaged to Mary. All of a sudden, she's pregnant. Hello? We've got to talk. And as she passed this story to him, oh, trust me, it was the Holy Spirit. He's like, I think we're getting divorced before we're actually married. So he wants to call this off. And and look at Joseph's character. Joseph is trying to do this quietly so as not to shame her, so as not to publicly disgrace her, so as not to make her name look bad to people, right? 
And so what is he doing? He's working quietly behind the scenes. And then verse 20 says this. This is so fascinating to me. As he considered these things, as he considered this, as he thought about this, while he was dwelling on it, okay, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, okay? As he considered this. Think about that phrase, as he considered this, which is to say when he had thought through all of the angles, when he had thought through all of the options, when he had reflected on all of the avenues by which he could remove himself from the situation, God showed up. When he had thought about, how do I get out of this mess, God showed up. When he thought, how do I get out of this, perhaps, embarrassment? How do I get out of this disgrace, this this shame, this difficulty, the adversity, this wall I'm against? When he had considered, God allowed him to consider all this. It says, then God showed up in the form of an angel. See, Joseph was doing something honorable for God. He was doing something for the sake of Mary. He was doing something um, honorable for all who knew her. God allowed this situation, and then God had to supernaturally intervene, and God allowed Joseph to consider, think about this, to consider walking away from the very thing that God had ordained as part of his destiny. I don't think you're understanding it yet, because we do this all the time when life gets difficult. God allows us to consider avenues, options, and pathways to get out of some things that in the very line of our destiny, he has allowed us to consider as part of this plan. Now, I don't know about you, but anytime there's adversity or frustration or difficulty or a wall, yes, you pray about it, but when it gets really hard, I just want to get out of it. I just want this to be done. Come on, have you ever been frustrated with God? You're like, okay, God, I've prayed about it. I worship through it. What's the answer? What's the lesson? What are you trying to teach me? Can I just get past the lesson? And sometimes it's not a lesson. Sometimes it's life. We're reducing God to a lesson or something to overcome, and God is trying to teach us how to overcome. So we're stuck trying to think, think we're in a classroom going to school with God, and God's, no, no, I'm trying to teach you how to live, how to exist. How to, how to lean on this name. See, sometimes God will allow you to come up with your best ideas before he intervenes and reveals his purpose. He will have you weigh out all the options, all the angles, all the strategies, only to show up in the 11th hour. Come on, isn't that annoying? Isn't that frustrating? It is, and that's the name of Jesus. He delivered us from our sins, and really the rest is a blessing. If there's anything beyond that, it's all a blessing, okay? But it can be frustrating, okay? And verse 21, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save people from their sins. What am I trying to say this morning about this whole scenario, especially the part about Joseph considering all these options? It's this. There's the point. His name is greater than your best made human solution. His name is greater 
than your best made human solution. God gave you a mind. You have a human solution. He gave you a heart. He gave you a soul. You have a spirit. You are made to work and walk through certain things and process them and grieve through them and understand them and ask questions and determine what next steps are. But ultimately, at the end of the day, his name is greater than your best man-made human solution. See, Joseph's solution was this, disconnect from current difficulty. God's solution was this, connect Joseph to his eternal destiny. Let me say that again. Joseph's solution, get me out of this. Get me out of this now, it's difficult. God's solution was to connect Joseph to his eternal destiny. See, difficulty tests you, but destiny fulfills you. You don't want to end up at the end not having done what God has called you to do, not having lived how God has called you to live, not having fulfilled. See, one of the greatest blessings of my life, and I don't see this talked about enough, I see people adopt a counterfeit of it, is this idea of destiny. Like this is something that was embedded in me through teaching as a kid. Pastors, they were always using this word. And unfortunately, many people took destiny to mean that they're supposed to become famous. They're supposed to become like the head CEO of a corporation or, or they're supposed to be famous or important or whatever. Uh, all destiny means is that you and God are like this. Amen. You are close. And he has used you to fulfill his purpose on the earth. The Bible says of David in Acts 13 that when he had died, he had fulfilled his destiny. He had served the purpose of his generation. And so I think that often people in the, in the natural world are thinking about importance and influence and being famous, and God is just asking you to serve your generation. And so we're looking to be fulfilled in every relationship and every job and in every season, and God's just looking for you to be fulfilled in Him, in Him. And when it's uncomfortable, that's a good sign we're not fulfilled in Him. That's a good sign we're not overcoming in the moment. And it's a good sign that we're trying to disconnect from the current reality, the current difficulty. And God's solution for Joseph in that situation was to connect him in his difficulty to his eternal destiny. See, difficulty is temporary, but destiny is eternal. Destiny is forever. Destiny is, is everything that's connected to everything that makes you, you. What am I trying to say? That the purpose of God was greater than the desire of Joseph. The purpose of God was greater than the desire of Joseph. What was the desire of Joseph? Get me out of here. Fix this. Change this. I don't want to look bad. I don't want anybody to look bad. I'd just like to wash my hands of this. God's saying, nope. Not only am I going to keep you in it, you're going to marry her. You're going to be the natural father to this child. You're going to be talked about in 2023 in a sermon by some random guy named Daniel. People are going to look at your life different. People are going to see something about your life that they didn't see before. Your life is going to be used for a purpose greater than what you're currently going through right now. Some of the greatest struggles that we're going through are life for someone else who's going to come around us or after us. See, this is the challenge of being young, right? I'm not young anymore, but when I was young, this is the challenge. This is the challenge. Even though I heard about those who'd gone before me, I really didn't know what they'd gone through. 
I didn't know what my dad had been through. I didn't know what my mom had been through. Right? Because a lot of times we leave out the details about the difficulties. And we give people a sanitized version of how God cleaned up our life. Right? I wonder if the prodigal son actually told his story the way it needed to be told. Like we know he came back and he got rings and robes and a fatted calf and he got taken care of and he had to deal with the servants that thought, man, he really messed it up. But I wonder if he actually sat down with people and sat in his own sorrow, even in his acceptance from God and said, man, I blew it. I was laying in pig slop. I was laying around with the pigs. The servants of my father's house were eating better than I was eating. I made a mess of my life, but my father welcomed me back in. I wonder if he told it like that. See, right now, there are places in your life where disconnection seems like an easier option than destiny. Let's just disconnect in this marriage. Let's just disconnect. Let's just go our separate ways. Let's just disconnect from this this relationship. Let's just disconnect from this job. And look, and I'm not saying that life is perfect. And I'm not asking anybody to adopt shame today. I'm just giving scenarios because people walk through different things in different seasons and for different reasons, okay? But what I'm saying is the temptation every day is to give in to disconnection more than destiny. And Joseph, as the natural father of Jesus, gives us the greatest example that determination is better than disconnection. That divine intervention, trusting God, is better than disconnection. Now, I want to tell you this morning that there are places in your life where God wants you to know that his name is greater than what you are currently experiencing. What you're currently experiencing is not the end of the story. It's not the final chapter. You're not actually writing anything. You're the character in the story. God is writing your story. Right? All that stuff sounds so poetic. I'm the captain of my own soul. I am the, the poet of my own life. I am the maker of my destiny. Yeah, that, sound, that sounds great when everything is going great. And when everything sucks and is breaking down and you're broke and nothing works, you don't want to be the captain anymore. <laughs> Somebody else take the wheel. Somebody else take the, the rudder of the ship. Somebody else fix this mess. Oh, bro, I thought you were the captain of your soul. Come on. Get yourself through this mess. We will hit walls that we cannot break through. And in those moments, disconnection is so much easier. It's so much easier. Some of the greatest things that I now see in my life are the result of me staying in seasons where I wanted to disconnect. Disconnect from people. Uh, Y'all see Pastor Courtney back here. Wave your hand, Pastor Courtney. This is such a good friend and a good man in my life, right? And many years ago, uh, and he jokes about this, uh, but but I have to explain this because he tells a lie when he tells this story. (laughs) He doesn't have many character defaults, but but faults, but this one would be, he lies about how he met me. He says that we were at a conference and that the pastor said, hey, turn around and y'all shake hands and, and trade numbers with people. Now, here's the thing. I don't just go handing my number out to anybody. Do y'all just hand your number out to anybody? Hi, what's your, oh, good to meet you. You want my number? I'll take your number, sure. Like, like, to me, are, are we friends or not? And if so, I'm invested in you. And if I'm invested in you, I'm actually going to have your number for a reason and a purpose. I'm not just going to have a random number in front, right? So the pastor says that, and he says that I looked at him and just turned around and walked away. <laughs> That's how he tells the story. What he fails to tell the other side of the story is in that season, I wanted to disconnect from ministry. 
I wanted to disconnect greatly from doing what I knew I was called to do. Why? Because of pain, betrayal, hurt. And I was at this season in my, in my early to mid-30s where I was saying, I don't, I don't think my soul can take this anymore. God, I know you've called me to this. And I, I was just at this conference to just hear and get fed. Come on, sometimes God brings you into his house to be nurtured and healed and fed. You're not ready to serve yet. You need to serve, but you're not ready to serve yet because you're not healed. And your healing can't take 10 years. Come on. God will fast track you if you lean into him. Just need to make that clear. I'm not healed yet. I can't tithe. Oh, really? I'm on the five-year plan. This isn't a college loan. This is trusting God. Okay? This is trusting God with your finances. So I didn't, want, I didn't want his number. I didn't want anybody's number. It wasn't anything personal. I just kind of like tried to turn my head and sit down and get in my seat and do my own thing. And then he, in his heart, because he's not spiritually mature, judged me <laughs> in that moment. And from that moment forward, he labeled me, and, and that was for him and God to deal with. Now, I'll let you, him tell his testimony someday about how he overcame that great sin of judgment in my life. Seriously, though, what I'm trying to say is, is in a moment where I wanted disconnection, God was aligning destiny between me and him and me and some of you and me. And there was no Grace Avenue yet. There was no, no Grace Avenue. It wasn't even in my mind yet. We hadn't even thought of it. This is about a year before. What I'm saying is Joseph saw the bigger picture when the angel came and confirmed to him there's something else going on here. And I'm praying that God uses my voice today to tell you that there is something bigger going on in, <coughs> in your situation, yeah. in your circumstance, because right now it feels like disconnection. Right now it feels like, get me out of here. Right now it feels like, can I trust you, God? Now the thing is not to trust him in this way. Okay, God, I'll trust you, just get me through it. It's just, God, I trust you. When I had to name my son, who passed away as a stillbirth, I had to lay him down, write his birth certificate, write his name, and say, God, I trust you. I trust you. I'm not saying that to pull your emotions. I'm saying in the darkest Deepest, darkest places. And after that was a very dark season for me, depression-wise. Yes, I preached. Yes, I helped people. Yes, I served. I kept on with destiny, but the work of the soul that God needed to do was a deep work of healing. But I said, I trust you. I said, I trust you. I didn't quit. I didn't disconnect. See, disconnection, right, is the thing that we're looking for. Disconnect our heart, disconnect our spirit. When the worship is going on and our hands are in our pockets and we're not lifting our hands and we're not singing, we're not even mouthing the words, at least we're not, you know, you could fake the words, right? Like, but there is nothing. There's like a cold wall between you and what God is doing in his presence with his people. I'm not saying you got to be jumping around rubbing, you know, waving ribbons and doing all this kind of stuff. You, but there is something in you joyous that should be stirring 
when the presence of God is here. The Bible says that in his presence is fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. Now, there's times I've stood in worship and I've just cried because I'm broken. There's times I've stood in worship and I feel like it's a stone, like a wall between me and God. But in faith, I close my eyes. I lift my hands. I worship him. I trust. Sometimes I'm saying words that I don't even necessarily know if I believe. But in faith, I'm trusting that my God knows better than I do. That God knows more than I do because I can trust his name. Psalm 20, David says this, some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord. See, in this verse, David contrasts the reality of our desire to rely on human man-made solutions, including military strength, that's what he's talking about here, with the trust he places in the name of the Lord. Come on, a name alone can invoke thoughts and memories, right? It can evoke emotion, you know, if I said you're now going to be, you know, you're going to be in charge of, of uh, something really important, you have to pick some of the greatest names out there on the earth. Let's say you were uh, playing football years ago, and they said, we're going to bring Tom Brady to your team. You'd be like, what? Really? Seriously? Just the name alone would get you excited, even for him to be part of your organization, to weigh in on thoughts Right? Kobe Bryant has passed, but I just want to use Kobe for a second because Kobe was amazing. Imagine Kobe Bryant being part of an organization, just the mind and the thought for him to come into an organization and just offer something, thoughts, strategies, opportunities, connections, whatever it may be, a name evokes thoughts in our minds. Louis Vuitton, hello, ladies. (laughs) Kate Spade, ooh. Kendra Scott, right? All I do is I see all these charges on my credit card. I don't know what they are, but I just see them. Like day after day after day, the banks are sending notices. You owe 100000 on your card. I don't know what's going on. I need help, but. Manu Ginobili. Come on, when, when we hear names, they evoke something. When we're singing about the name of Jesus, when we're hearing the name of Jesus, this is not a cute little story about a baby who was born in a manger and there's donkeys and oh, how cute and this is so nice and there's a nativity scene and let's just move on. There's power in his name. And his name is greater than any man-made solution that we can come up with. Number two, his name can be trusted in your trials, in your tests, and in your temptations. His name can be trusted in your trials, in your tests, and in your temptations. I want you to listen for a second. I'm, I'm going to read these lyrics that we were singing. Your name is the greatest. Your name stands, I'm sorry, your name is the highest. Your name is the greatest. Your name stands above them all. All thrones and dominions, all powers and positions, your name stands above them all. If you've been forgiven, if you've been redeemed, Sing the song forever to the Lamb. If you walk in freedom, if you bear his name, sing the song forever to the Lamb. We'll sing the song forever and amen. Do you believe what you're singing in this season of Christmas, in this service today, when we're singing this and we're going to sing it again? Do you believe what you're singing? Or has the enemy gotten so far into your life and embedded himself that he has now disconnected your faith from your future? 
Your response is grounded to reality, not to the supernatural, not to possibilities, not to opportunities, not to the the realm that is unseen. Again, I I think it's that that we're looking to get beyond this. If I could just get out of this, God, if I, okay, but but what what if this is just life? What if this is not a lesson? What if this is just something like Joseph? Because here's the thing, Joseph had to live in this. So we read the story and we think, oh, that's all great. Yeah, that's awesome. Wow, God used it. Yeah, but Joseph had to live in it. Yeah, Mary, conceived by the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Right. No, you know that's what people were thinking. You know that's what people, you know people. And people talk trash. And people are jealous and people gossip and people slander. And you know that you know that you know that if they've talked about you, they talked about Joseph. Joseph was tested. And every day of our lives, we're tested with who and what will be our strength and ultimately where our trust is going to lie. We, we get tested in relationships. We get tested in our finances. We get tested about our future. We get tested with medical issues. We get tested with aches and pains. Amen. Any older folks here? Aches and pains. Ailments and ointments. Hallelujah. Help us. We are tested and tempted to trust in someone or something other than the name of God. I want to close with this. I want to ask the team to come back up. We're going to sing in just a moment. I want you to just think about this. Jesus is tested in the wilderness. In Matthew chapter 4, he's tested in the wilderness. It says he's fasting 40 days and 40 nights. This is the name above all names. This is the King of Kings, the Alpha and the Omega, the resurrection and the life, the bread of life, the living water, the living word. The good shepherd, the light of the world. This is the one who has come. This is the Messiah, the promised one. And here he is in his humanity as well as his divinity, but in his humanity in that moment being tested by Satan himself. Forty days and forty nights he's been fasting. And in these exchanges between Satan and Jesus, Satan is not addressing Jesus by his name. Pay attention here. He's not addressing him by his name, but look what he's doing. He's attempting to manipulate and challenge Jesus in the broader context. So he's not calling his name out, but he's working around the things that he knows Jesus has. He's working through the things that he thinks Jesus can do. So he's not calling his name, but he's calling the things he's called to. He's calling the things he identifies with. He's calling the things that many are already his. So he waits. Everybody say waits. Satan waits until Jesus has been tested physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. He waits for weakness. He waits for weakness. Satan waits for weakness. He waits till there's already a tear before he fully tears the ACL. He waits till there's already a strain on the bicep before it pops. He waits till the tire is already experiencing wear and tear before it blows. He waits for the Son of God to be tested in that moment. That's how conniving the enemy is. What am I saying? That we must recognize and resist the enemy's attempts to lead us away from faith and obedience to God. That's why we have a baby in a manger. Because that baby has a name. And that name has power. 
And that power gives us the ability to resist and to stand firm and strong in trials, in tests, and in temptations. See, Jesus knew who he was and he knew whose he was. Just a chapter before, he was already baptized and God had already told, God the Father had told Jesus who he is. Look at Matthew 3, he says, a voice from heaven said, this is my son, what is that? That's identification. Whom I love, that's validation. And with him, I am well pleased. That's affirmation. What are the things that we see people dying for every single day? These three things right here. Tell me who I am. Make me feel important. Tell me I'm loved. Affirm me. Validate me. Identify me. What are people talking about more than anything? These three. This, this is basically TikTok right here. Social media. Most of social media. Identify me. Affirm me. Validate me. Make me feel important. I'll follow you, but if you don't follow me, I'm not following you. Oh, okay. A need. A soul need, right? This is the cry of humanity. And in your weak moments, what does the enemy want to do? He wants to play on that. He wants to play on your identity. Come on, if you lose your job, come on, I'm speaking to men here. When you lose your job and you can't feed your family, you can't do things the way you want to do for your family, it takes a toll on you. It takes a toll on you. It weighs on you. Think about the Great Depression when they would offer 100 jobs and three people would get the job for that week. And the other 97 had to eat crumbs, live in the dirt. I don't think they were praying, this is just a lesson. I think they were stuck in the reality of the natural, having to believe God for something bigger than what they were going through and what they were experiencing. Isaiah chapter 9, now close with this verse, says, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor. Come on, your God can counsel you in these things we're talking about, the, the identity, the affirmation, the validation that you need. He's a wonderful counselor in those things. Better than social media, better than any author, better than any pastor, better than any friend. He is a wonderful counselor. Says he's a mighty God, mighty to help us overcome, mighty to do great things on your behalf. He's the everlasting father. He's not the father who runs out. He's not the father who disconnects. The everlasting father. And then he's the prince of peace. he is the God of peace, then you should settle for nothing less in your life than his peace. He's more than enough. If he's the God of grace, then you should know that your steps are ordered. Your children's steps are ordered. Your grandchildren's steps are ordered. I talk to people these days whose grandparents were full of faith and Christians and somehow in between that generation a son or a daughter disconnected from God and the grandkids are picking up on legacy, I believe, and prayers that were prayed through the grandparents. Uh, Janelle's a product of that too. Her, her, her grandparents were, were missionaries in Mexico, planting churches all over the place. She didn't really get to know them that well. I think he died when you were what, like six? What? Three, three years old. <clears throat> and when I first married her, and we, I, I met her, I saw these pictures of him 
praying over her and with her. And then I hear all these stories about him. And I think she's walking in the destiny and the purpose of something this grandfather prophesied and would pray over her. What am I saying? I'm saying that the tests and the trials and the temptations are reaching for your identity. They're trying to reach for an affirmation. They're trying to reach for validation. They're trying to pull you away and like Satan did with Jesus, present a counterfeit to get you off of faith and to get you off of obedience to God. You cannot allow your level of faith to drop to the level that you think he is. You have to allow it to rise to who he truly is. You can't allow your feelings to bring you down to the level of truth that you think exists in your circumstances. You have to allow your faith to rise to the level that God says he's ordained for you. As we sing this song, I want to ask you to stand. As we sing this chorus, I want us to think about this. That there are some people walking in this moment with uncertainties, unknowns, things they can't make sense of, questioning things they've overcome, working through things that they've tried to process. And in the reality of it all, they've still held on to faith. You're standing next to people who are still holding on to faith in the midst of the trials, the tests, the temptations they faced and the attacks on their identity, the attacks on their value. What did I say last week? That this church is as strong as you are. This church is as strong as you are spiritually. And my goal is to see the great good shepherd feed you and make you strong. Make you strong, able to bear the weight of your purpose. You know, to, to close this message out, there was one thing that I kept stirring on. And it was this. It was yesterday as I was thinking through all of this and just finalizing everything, I was thinking about this. That one of the greatest tricks of the enemy, one of the greatest strategies of the enemy is to get you to respond, not to the name God has given you, but the name that he calls you. The name of, it could be anything, failure, rejection, abandoned, hurt, can't get it together, things people have said about you, things that you say about yourself. Come on, nobody's harder on you than you, okay? God is not hard on you, but you're harder on yourself than God is. And I think one of the dangerous things in moments of weakness, think about this, in moments of weakness, as we accept the counterfeit names over our life that God has not labeled us with. And this morning, I felt led to pray, in this season at Christmas, a powerful chain-breaking prayer that breaks off the thoughts and intents of the enemy for your life and your mind. Because you can't function in what God has called you to function if you don't believe it for yourself. Come on, if you don't believe you are who God says you are, you will believe the lie of the enemy. You are not who the enemy says you are. You are who God says you are. And Jesus is the one who came to save us from our sins. It comes from the name Yeshua. Rescuer, Redeemer, Deliverer. Father, I pray this morning that any one of us that is responding emotionally, mentally, or spiritually to any other name that is not the name that you have given us. And the names you have given us are forgiven, loved, redeemed, 
accepted, chosen, destiny, purpose. Father, I speak the name of Jesus over every lie of the enemy, everywhere the counterfeit has taken root. Lord, we pull it up by the root in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, fill your people today. Let them walk in joy and presence and power. God, and I pray that this morning that any counterfeit that would come across the table to entice them to believe anything less than your best, Lord, we cast it out in Jesus' name. We break off every demonic mental stronghold over people's lives, anything influencing suicide, anything influencing constant anxiety and depression that desires to destroy, Lord, I thank you that you can use every difficulty in our life for your purpose in Jesus' mighty name. And God's people said, amen, amen, amen. Well, I pray that that word blessed you. If you'd like to know more about Grace Avenue Church or want to know more about how to be a part of what God has called us to here in the city of San Antonio, or if you'd like to sow financially into our vision and mission, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks so much for listening. We hope to see you soon.